Genesis chapter 24, and we will start in verse 29. Genesis chapter 4, starting in verse 29. Rebekah had a brother whose name was Laban. Laban ran out toward the man, to the spring. As soon as he saw the ring and the bracelets on his sister's arms, and heard the words of Rebekah his sister, thus the man spoke to me. He went to the man, and behold, he was standing by the camels at the spring. He said, Come in, O blessed of the Lord, why do you stand outside? For I have prepared the house and a place for the camels. So the man came to the house and unharnessed the camels and gave straw and fodder to the camels. And there was water to wash his feet and the feet of the men who were with him. Then food was set before him to eat. But he said, I will not eat until I have said what I have to say. He said, speak on. So he said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has greatly blessed my master and he has become great. He has given him flocks and herds, silver and gold, male servants and female servants, camels and donkeys. And Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master when she was old, and to him he has given all that he has. My master made me swear, saying, You shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land I dwell, but you shall go to my father's house and to my clan and take a wife for my son. I said to my master, Perhaps the woman will not follow me. But he said to me, The Lord, before whom I have walked, will send his angel with you and prosper your way. You shall take a wife for my son from my clan and from my father's house. Then you will be free from my oath when you come to my clan. And if they will not give her to you, you will be free from, from my oath. I came today to the spring and said, O Lord, the God of my master Abraham, if now you are prospering the way that I go, behold, I am standing by the spring of water. Let the virgin who comes out to draw water to whom I shall say, please give me a little water from your jar to drink. And who will say to me, drink, and I will draw for your camels also. Let her be the woman whom the Lord has appointed for my master's son. Before I had finished speaking in my heart, behold, Rebekah came out with her water jar on her shoulder, and she went down to the spring and drew water. I said to her, please let me drink. She quickly let down her jar from her shoulder and said, drink, and I will give your camels drink also. So I drank, and she gave the, tr- the camels drink also. Then I asked her, whose daughter are you? She said, the daughter of Bethuel. Nahor's son, whom Milcah bore to him. So I put the ring on her nose and the bracelets on her arms. Then I bowed my head and worshipped the Lord and blessed the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who had led me by the right way to take the daughter of my master's kinsman for his son. Now then, if you are going to show steadfast love and faithfulness to my master, tell me. And if not, tell me that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing has come from the Lord. We cannot speak to you bad or good. Behold, Rebekah is before you. Take her and go. 
And let her be the wife of your master's son, as the Lord has spoken. When Abraham's servant heard their words, he bowed himself to the earth before the Lord. And the servant brought out jewelry of silver and of gold and garments and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave to her brother and to her mother costly ornaments. And he and the men who were with him ate and drank, and they spent the night there. When they arose in the morning, he said, send me away to my master. Her brother and her mother said, let the young woman remain with us a while, at least 10 days. After that, she may go. But he said to them, do not delay me, since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away that I may go to my master. They said, let us call the young woman and ask her. And they called Rebekah and said to her, will you go with this man? She said, I will go. So they sent away Rebekah, their sister, and her nurse, and Abraham's servant, and his men, and they blessed Rebekah and said to her, Our sister, may you become thousands of ten thousands, and may your offspring possess the gate of those who hate him. Then Rebekah and her young women arose and rode on the camels and followed the man. Thus the servant took Rebekah and went his way. Now Isaac had returned from Beer Lahai Roy and was dwelling in the Negev. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field toward evening. And he lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, there were camels coming. And Rebekah lifted up her eyes. And when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from the camel and said to the servant, Who is that man walking in the field to meet us? The servant said, It is my master. So she took her veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all of the things that he had done. Then Isaac brought her into the tent of Sarah, his mother, and took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that you have chosen to speak to us through your word. And Father, we thank you that in the way that you have chosen to speak to us, you have chosen to include historical stories of how you have worked with different individuals throughout time and through history. And we thank you because even as we read these stories, it's, we, we are amazed to see how intricately you were involved. Even in the marriage of, of Isaac and Rebecca, and we see your hand all over it. And we thank you because it proclaims to us your providence and how you are involved in our lives. And we just can't help but thank you for that. Father, I pray that today as we take some time to meditate on this passage, I pray that your Holy Spirit will enliven it to us, cause us to understand what it is that you are saying. And Father, I pray that we will not just be hearers of the word and so deceive ourselves, but we will be doers of the word, that we will receive with eagerness the implanted word that is able to save our souls. Father, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts will be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And it's in the name of our precious Savior, the Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen.
Some weeks ago, we were studying in Genesis chapter 22, and we were presented with the test that the Lord put Abraham through when the Lord called Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac on the Mount of Moriah. And Abraham, by faith, trusted the Lord, followed through, and got to the point where he was just about to slit the throat of his son, and the Lord stopped him and provided a ram in the thicket. When Abraham received that incredible provision from the Lord, he he made a pronouncement in Genesis chapter 22, verse 14, It says this, so Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. And the verse goes on to say, as it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. In that moment, Abraham put to words an incredibly important truth about our God, that he's the provider, and that he will provide. In fact, that's the story of the Bible, isn't it? God's provision. It was dark. The Lord provided light. The world was formless. The the Lord provided structure. And on and on it goes. And and all the way through, we see God's provision being magnified and and set before the eyes of our heart to, to highlight His greatness and His provision. And of course, the place where we see it the, the most clearly is the provision that was made for us when Christ was on the cross. He provided... The, the, the necessary punishment so that we could be forgiven and made right with the Holy God. And the provision of His resurrection and the provision of His Holy Spirit to all who will believe in Him. All throughout Scripture we see His provision and it culminates when he returns again and provides lasting victory for this earth and and into the new Jerusalem where he himself is our light. There's no need of the provision of sun because he is our light. Abraham learned that lesson at Mount Moriah, but it was a lesson that continued to mark Abraham's life. The Lord provided for him. The Lord provided. And that's what we see happening here in Genesis chapter 24, as Abraham sends his servant out to find a wife for his son Isaac. We see that the Lord provided. And the Lord's hands were all over it, his his leading, his direction. And Abraham's servant got a first-hand experience of God's provision. If if I would remind us last week, as we 
um, considered the first part of Genesis chapter 24, Abraham comes and brings his his servant to him and they make an oath that his servant would go back to the land from which Abraham came and that his servant would find a wife for Abraham's son Isaac. And this was so important because God had made a promise that from Abraham's seed there would be descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. And so for that to happen, there had to be the right woman for his son Isaac to marry. And as the servant goes, he comes to a spring, a well that's outside of the city. That was the city of Nahor, Abraham's brother. And he prayed specifically that the Lord would provide A wife for Isaac. And he prayed that if there would be a young lady that he says, could you give me a drink? And she gives me a drink, but also waters my camels. Let that be the one. And so before he finished his prayer, here comes Rebecca. And in answer to Abraham's servant's prayer, when Abraham's servant asks for a drink, she gives him But then she goes and waters his camels. Incredible. The Lord provided. The Lord heard and answered and provided for Abraham, for Isaac, and for this servant. And what we see happening here now as we continue on this narrative, once Abraham's servant has this interaction with Rebecca. She goes back to tell her family, and it picks up with what happened at that point. And in verses 29 through 51, we see the interaction between Abraham's servant and Rebecca's family, where he testifies to them about how God provided, how God answered prayers, how the Lord intervened, and, 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 and then calls them to say, will you let her go? And then after that, we see in verses 52 through 67, the fulfillment of God's purposes and God's plans that he had for Abraham, for Isaac, and for the descendants that would come, culminating in the marriage of Isaac and Rebekah. But what I want us to consider today from this passage is the simple truth that the Lord provides for his people. The lesson that Abraham learned on Mount Moriah continued on throughout his life. And that lesson applies to us today that the Lord provides for his people. And it should lead us to rightly respond to his provision in our life. First of all. In verses 29 through 51, I want us to consider that the Lord answers prayer. It's part of his provision in our life, is answered prayer. And it should lead us to tell of his wondrous works that he has accomplished in our life to others. That's what we see happen with Abraham's servant. And then secondly, in verses 52 through 67, we see that the Lord fulfills his purposes. 
And that should lead us to trust Him to fulfill His purposes in our life. So first of all, the Lord answers prayer. Tell of His wondrous works in your life. Starting in verse 29. Rebekah had a brother whose name was Laban. Laban ran out toward the man to the spring. As soon as he saw the ring and the bracelets on his sister's arm, arms and heard the words of Rebekah, his sister, thus the man spoke to me, he went to the man. And behold, he was standing by the camels at the spring. So you can picture this in your mind, can't you? Here's Abraham's servant with ten camels. And there were some other men that were along with him, as we'll see in the passage. And here, Rebekah goes home, finds her brother Laban, and that kind of highlights to us that most likely her father was aged, Bethuel, and he didn't have um, the strength needed to be the one to initiate the conversation with Abraham's servant. So in Bethuel's place, he sends Laban, and Laban goes, and he has this interaction with Abraham's servant, Verses 31, he said, Come in, O blessed of the Lord. Why do you stand outside? For I have prepared the house and a place for the camels. He says, Come, stay with us. 32, so the man came to the house and unharnessed the camels and gave straw and fodder to the camels. And there was water to wash his feet and the feet of the men who were with him. Then food was set before him to eat. But it, isn't it amazing? Because in, in verse 33, it says, But he said, I will not eat until I have said what I have to say. I bet Abraham's servant was probably pretty hungry. After traveling all that distance, over 500 miles through the desert. I mean, I'm sure there was food that he ate along the way. But there was something that was more important to him. He was on a mission from God, and, and he was longing to be able to, to move forward, forward with that. So in verse 34, um, he begins to speak. And in verse 34 through 41, he summarizes what his interaction with Abraham was before he left on the journey. So he said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has greatly blessed my master, and he has become great. So they would have known who Abraham was because um, uh, Bethuel, the, the, the father of Rebekah, Abraham was his uncle. Nahor was Bethuel's dad. So they would have known of Abraham, even though they didn't really know him. And so the servant highlights, the Lord has greatly blessed my master and he has become great. And this is probably the first that they really have heard of Abraham for a long time since he left. He has given him flocks and herds, silver and gold, male servants and female servants, camels and donkeys. And Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master when she was old, and to him he has given all that he has. So he doesn't make any um, mention of Hagar and Ishmael. He just highlights that Sarah had a son. Verse 37, my master made me swear, saying, you shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land 
I dwell. But you shall go to my father's house and to my clan and take a wife for my son. So it's really interesting because in the servant talking with Rebecca's family, he highlights to them, well, you know what? Um, This son of Abraham is going to be the inheritor of all of Abraham's wealth. So he's actually going to be a very wealthy man. And it's on his behalf that I've been sent to look for a wife. Verse 39, I said to my master, perhaps the woman will not follow me. Verse 40, but he said to me, the Lord before whom I have walked will send his angel with you and prosper your way. You shall take a wife for my son from my clan and from my father's house. And by recounting this to Laban and to Rebekah's family, he is highlighting that Abraham was confident that the Lord was going to provide a wife for Isaac. And as an ambassador for Abraham, this servant is saying, Abraham is confident in the Lord's provision. Verse 41, then you'll be free from my oath. When you come to my clan, and if they will not give her to you, you will be free from my oath. Then in verse 42 through 48, the servant takes time to share how the Lord had answered his prayer that very day. And and he gives a testimony to the way that the Lord was at work in this whole um, interaction. 42, I came today to the spring and said, O Lord, the God of my master Abraham, if now you are prospering the way that I go, behold, I am standing by the spring of water. Let the virgin who comes out to draw water, to whom I shall say, please give me a little water from your jar to drink, and who will say to me, drink, and I will draw for your camels also. Let her be the woman whom the Lord has appointed for my master's son. So he goes into detail about the exact prayer that he prayed that day in regards to finding a wife for Isaac. Verse 45, before I had finished speaking in my heart. Isn't that incredible? The Lord hears the prayers that we utter just in our hearts. He was speaking in his heart. He wasn't praying out loud. He was just speaking in his heart. And even before he had finished speaking in his heart, behold, Rebecca came out with her water jar on her shoulder. And she went down to the spring and drew water. I said to her, please let me drink. She quickly let down her jar from her shoulder and said, drink and I will give your camels drink also. So I drank, and she gave the camels drink also. Then I asked her, whose daughter are you? She said, the daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, whom Milcah bore to him. So I put the ring on her nose and the bracelets on her arms. Then I bowed my head and worshiped the Lord and blessed the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who had led me by the right way to take the daughter of my master's kinsman for his son. He goes into detail about what happened. 
He testified. He, he bore witness to the goodness of God. To the provision of God. To the answer of prayer. And to the experience that he had being the recipient of God's provision by answering Abraham's servant's specific prayer. In Psalm 105, verses 1 and 2, it says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon His name, make known His deeds among the peoples. Sing to Him, sing praises to Him, tell of all His wondrous works. Abraham's servant was telling of the wondrous works of the Lord to Laban and to Rebekah's family. He was testifying. And he was, he was saying, today I prayed this prayer and before it even was finished as I was praying in my heart, the Lord provided the exact answer to this prayer. And, and when I experienced that, I couldn't help but worship Him and bless His name. But then it's interesting because he doesn't stop there. In verse 49 it says, Now then, if you are going to show steadfast love and faithfulness to my master, tell me, and if not, tell me that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. So Abraham's servant understood that in that time, the one who had the authority to say if a woman was able to be married or not fell on the head of the home. The father. And, and, and so, verse 50, it says, Then Laban and Bethuel, so fa- the father, Bethuel, and then his son Laban, were the ones that he was going to. It's kind of interesting. When we lived um, in South Africa, amongst many of the different tribes there, there was um, a negotiation that would take place if there was a young man who wanted to marry a young lady. It was called Labola. So the young man would have to go and meet with the father and with the uncles of, of this young lady, and they would, um, they would uh, go back and forth about what was going to have to be the bride price that the man would have to pay in order to marry this woman. And traditionally, it was paid in cows. So, um, so if, if the, the, the woman was exceptionally beautiful or exceptionally smart or uh, exceptionally skilled, the man who wanted to marry her would have to pay more cows. So it would be like 20 cows, you know, for, um, you know, for him to be able to pay the dowry in order to marry this gal. But if she wasn't as pretty, wasn't as smart, well, maybe it would just be like five cows or something like that. So the, so the fathers of that day, they wanted to have daughters because it meant that one day they would get all of this money coming in from uh, suitors, potential suitors who wanted to marry their daughters. 
And now, nowadays, they don't, uh, they don't, in some places, they still pay in cows, um, but in, in other places, they just pay monetarily money for the, uh, for the bride price. And what we kind of see happening here is a similar idea where there's a negotiation going on between Abraham's servant and Rebekah's father and brother. So, and, and, and Abraham's servant made a pretty strong case that, in fact, this is God's plan for Rebekah's life, for her to marry Isaac. And, and he, he brings it to a head, though, because there had to be the submission to that by Bethuel and Laban. And that's what we see happen in verse 50. Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing has come from the Lord. We cannot speak to you bad or good. Behold, Rebekah is before you. Take her and go and let her be the wife of your master's son as the Lord has spoken. So it's amazing because in the text, we are given three witnesses that God was the one who was orchestrating this marriage between Isaac and Rebekah. And one commentator highlights for us, the reader has been given three witnesses that these events have been the work of God. The narrator, and that's found in verse 15 and 16. So the, the author, the Holy Spirit through Moses... And verse 15 and 16, it says, Before he had finished speaking, behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethel, came. So the author is giving this witness. But then in addition to that, the servant. In verses 26 and 27, the servant understands that this is the Lord. And then now here in verses 50, in verse 50, we see that Laban and Bethuel saw that this was from the Lord. And they trusted that it was God's plan. Abraham's servant had an experience of answered prayer. He, he experienced the Lord in a clear, crystal clear way. Working, and, and there was absolutely no doubt that it was God who was directing his steps. And in having experienced that, when he was given an opportunity, he couldn't help but talk about it and share the experience he had with God's provision. We see this throughout Scripture. And, and we saw it throughout Jesus' time living here on the earth. When people had an experience with our Savior, the, the Lord Jesus, their life was changed. And their initial response was, I just need to go tell somebody. We saw that in John chapter 4 when the woman at the well had the experience with Jesus. And she went back to her home and she just couldn't help but talk to and tell people. This is... This is what Jesus did. He told me all that I've ever done. And it says that people believed in Jesus because of her testimony. 
In Mark chapter 5, there was a demon-possessed man. He had a legion of demons inside of him. And the Lord cast them out. And he had an experience with Jesus. And, and, and it's so interesting because in verses 18 through 20, it says this. As he, that is Jesus, was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he, Jesus, did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. Testimony is powerful. How about for us? Have we experienced God's provision? For, for those of us who are here who have understood the holiness of God and his greatness, have understood that we are sinners, that we have fallen short of his perfect standard, and the wages of our sin is death, that we deserve to be separated from him forever. But we have heard the message of our Lord Jesus, that he is fully God and fully man, and he demonstrated his love for us, that while we were still sinners, he died for us, and he rose to life again, and we have trusted in him. We, who have trusted in him and looked to him in faith, have experienced the provision of God. And when we turn to him in faith, we turn to him by prayer. And we confess to him our sin and we repented and we trusted in him and he answered our prayer and he has forgiven us and he has made us right with God. Now, what an incredible privilege when we have the opportunity to testify. To share with others and to share with others in such a way that we challenge them to turn to Christ as well. Because Abraham's servant shared what the Lord had done for him in answer to prayer, but for Abraham and Isaac. But it was with the goal that Laban and Bethuel would trust that it was God's hand and they would allow Rebekah to be married to Isaac. The Lord answers prayer. Tell of his wondrous works in your life. And I want to encourage us as a church body to pray that the Lord will open up opportunities for us to just simply share what God has done in our life. To share our testimony. And it can be the testimony of when we first believed, but it can be a testimony of how he's working in our life today. And when we can share that with one another, it, it, it encourages one another to a deeper trust and a deeper faith in our Lord. When we share answered prayers. I mean, just the other day, I was really at a place where I didn't know what to do in the classroom. And I just remember praying and asking the Lord for wisdom. And it was amazing because it was like right at that second, the Lord 
ended up giving a creative solution to what was going on. And the Lord used it. Thank you, Lord. Because there was absolutely no way I could have handled it by myself. Share answered prayer with one another. Talk about how the Lord is working in your life. It will encourage each of us to a deeper trust and faith in our dear Lord Jesus. See, the Lord answers prayer. Tell of his wondrous works that he has accomplished in your life. The Lord provides for his people. Rightly respond to his provision. Not only does he answer prayer, but we see in verses 52 through 67, the Lord fulfills his purposes. And I know that this is a point that we've made Many times as we've been going through Genesis. But it's a point that we've made many times going through Genesis. Because it's a point that the Lord wants to hammer home to us. That He fulfills His promises. He fulfills His purposes. He is at work in the day-to-day outpouring and the living of our life. In order to direct things to His end. And it should lead us to trust Him. To trust that he is working to fulfill his purposes in our life. Verse 52. When Abraham's servant heard their words, he bowed himself to the earth before the Lord. Abraham's servant understood that the Lord was at work here. Because not only was it a miracle that Rebekah came and answered the, the specific prayer that the Lord had given to the Lord that that Abraham's servant had given to the Lord but it was really a miracle that her dad and brother would allow her to just go off with some stranger to leave the family for the rest of her life to go marry some guy 500 miles away The Lord had to be working. And Abraham's servant recognized that. And he was overcome by the weight of God's greatness. And he couldn't help but bow down and worship him. He saw that God's purposes and his promises were being fulfilled right in front of his face. Verse 53, and the servant brought out jewelry of silver and gold and garments and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave to her brother and to her mother costly ornaments. So this would be like the labola that he's paying, the dowry. I guess Rebekah was quite, quite a special woman because it was a high labola that was paid. And he and the men who were with him, ate and drank, and they spent the night there. When they arose in the morning, he said, send me away to my master. Her brother and her mother said, let the young woman remain with us a while, at least 10 days after that she may go. And it's understandable (coughs) that they would want to have some time with her before she is to go, and they know not when they will ever see her again. Verse 56, but he said to them, do not delay me since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away that I may go to my master. They said, let us call the young woman and ask her. 
And they called Rebekah and said to her, Will you go with this man? She said, I will go. Isn't that amazing? And what what I want to highlight here is the Lord was fulfilling his purposes and he was sovereignly working out all of the details. But just because he was doing that, it didn't take away personal responsibility. Rebecca had to say, I will go. And in our minds, there's times where we think that, well, how in the world is the Lord sovereign? But there's also responsibility on human beings. And there's a mystery there. But what we see in Scripture happening is, is that there are decisions that are made by individuals in the day-to-day of living But behind the scenes, we see that the Lord is actually orchestrating and working things together for His purposes. And so in the Lord's working and in His leading and in His bringing Isaac and Rebekah together, there was still that place and there was still that moment where Rebekah had to say, I will go. 59, so they send away Rebekah, their sister, and her nurse, and Abraham's servant, and his men. And they blessed Rebekah and said to her, Our sister, may you become thousands of ten thousands, and may your offspring possess the gate of those who hate him. It's interesting, the blessing that her family gives her is very similar to the blessing that our Lord gave in, uh, in Genesis chapter 22, when he pronounced the blessing upon um, Abraham and Isaac. It says this in verse 15, And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son. I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. Isn't that interesting? The Lord, in his blessing after the sacrifice of Isaac, included that his offering shall possess the gates of his enemies, meaning being victorious over his enemies. And now here, Rebekah's family, who lived over 500 miles away, Give that same blessing to Rebecca as she heads to go and marry Isaac. Verse 61 Then Rebecca and her young woman arose and rode on the camels and followed the man. Thus the servant took Rebecca and went his way. Verse 62 Now Isaac had returned from Beer Lahai Roy and was dwelling in the Negev. Verse 63 gives us a really interesting insight into Isaac and his character. It says, And Isaac went out to meditate in the field toward evening. And he lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, there were camels coming. It doesn't tell us what exactly he was meditating on. But we know... That being the son of Abraham who was righteous before the Lord, Abraham would have 
raised Isaac to know and to fear the Lord. Meditation on the Lord and on His ways and on His word is essential for our lives as well. And Isaac understood that in his own life. In Psalm 1 it says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scoffers. But his delight is on the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree planted by the streams of water. That was Isaac's life. He was that tree that was planted by the stream of water. He saw the camels coming. He didn't know at that point who it was. 64, and Rebekah lifted up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from the camel. Can't you picture this in your mind? It's pretty romantic, isn't it? I mean, it's like, this could be something in a movie. She dismounted from the camel and said to the servant, Who is that man walking in the field to meet us? The servant said, It is my master. So she took her veil and covered herself. Which in that culture, that was a sign of of being engaged or betrothed. If, If a woman had a veil that covered themselves, it was a sign that they were betrothed to be married. Verse 66, and the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. Then Isaac brought her into the tent of Sarah, his mother, and took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. The beginning of the chapter starts out with a a challenge and a problem. God has made a promise that the descendants of Abraham will be as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. But how is that going to happen when Isaac isn't married? We come to the end of the chapter and we see the Lord provided. The Lord provided, and he provided in a way that fulfilled his purposes. See, our God is a God who provides. That lesson that Abraham learned at Mount Moriah, that the Lord has provided and will provide, is a lesson for us. And it was a lesson that was proved not only there on Moriah, but it was proved throughout the rest of Abraham's life and throughout Isaac's life and Continuing on down. And we see even the history of Abraham's descendants and all of the ups and downs. But then it culminating in the provision of that little baby that was placed in the manger. And the provision of his perfect life. That was God's provision. It was his provision to mankind for there to be a second Adam who was perfect. His perfection was God's provision for us. And then his sacrifice was God's provision for us. And now for all who trust in him, he provides Christ's righteousness. See, our God provides. 
and, 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 and for all who will turn and trust in him, we can experience that provision. And, w- and when we experience it, we can trust that he will continue the good work that he has started. I love that song, He Will Hold Me Fast. Though I fear my faith will fail, Christ will hold me fast. Though the tempter would prevail, Christ will hold me fast. He will hold me fast. In Jude... Verses 24 through 25, it says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. He is able to keep us. From stumbling and to present us blameless before the presence of God. He is able to fulfill his purposes for our life. Romans eight twenty nine through 30. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. God's purpose for our life is that we be conformed to the image of his son, the Lord Jesus. So that our life looks more and more like him. And he is able to fulfill that purpose. Trust him. Trust him. See, the Lord uses day-to-day things to fulfill his purposes. And he provides for his people. Rightly respond to his provision. He answers prayer. Tell of his wondrous works in your life. And he fulfills his purposes. Trust him to fulfill his purposes in your life. Father, we thank you for your word. I pray that you will seal your truth to our hearts. Anything that has been shared that is not of you, I pray that you will erase that from our memory. But what is of you, I pray that it will... It will sink deep into our souls, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.